Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it is Friday, the 11th of March, 2022. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Russia has widened its air assault on the people of Ukraine. Um, they are now targeting cities in central and western Ukraine. Um, and that armored column that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks has... Um, at one level, seemed to have tightened around the capital of Kiev, seeming to uh, still plan to encircle it. But they've also kind of disappeared into the surrounding countryside and into the woods where um, those truck-based munitions are being set up. None, none of this is good. Um, and so we want to continue to have this in the forefront of our concern and prayers. And yet... Um, While Russia is up to all of this, it's not as if the other bad actors around the world are, you know, well, taking a break or a nap. So let me bring you up to speed on what's going on in North Korea. North Korea has been in the midst of a number of weapons tests, two of which recently involved intercontinental ballistic missiles. So um, our officials here in the United States are describing that as a serious escalation. So the two ballistic missile tests uh, were actually conducted at the end of February and the beginning of March, uh, not intended to, quote, demonstrate the range or capability of the high-powered weapons, but um, simply to elevate that they have these new systems um, and that, well, frankly, they probably plan to use them. But maybe for something other than a ballistic missile that would be fired at somewhere else in the world. Maybe they're planning to launch something into space. That seems to be the conversation. And um, that's not good either. So here at home, uh, the economic news leads the headlines. Inflation hit another 40-year high. You may say to yourself, "Um, hey, Carmen, I think you read that headline earlier in the week. Yeah, well, uh, that's because it's true again. The consumer price index rose 7.9%. Compared to last February, it's the highest point in 40 years and obviously well above um, the expectation of 2% inflation. So everything is more expensive. You obviously already know that. Um, And the roller coaster on Wall Street also feels a little bit familiar. And so in the midst of all of that, you know, people are being challenged with all the regular things as well. And I'm mindful of that, and I'm aware of that. And I live in that reality, uh, too. So I wanted to take a deep breath this morning and say, what are we to say about these things? And how are we to pray about these things? And what are we to do about these things? First of all, I just want to encourage, I mean, you know, part of this is like preaching the gospel to myself, right? Don't look away. Don't stop praying. Let us renew our concern. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us renew our prayers 
Um, Let us thank God for the supplies that he uh, provides. Let us look around for those resources. And even if it means we have to spread them more thinly than we might prefer, let um, let us agree to live more simply that other people might simply live. Let's pray for God's protection and provision, and let's also not forget to praise his name. Let's praise him. Let's bless God for the blessings that we know in Christ Jesus our Lord. I read uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9 this morning as an encouragement, and I want to read, um, read those verses here with you as well. These words um, were penned in the context of need, privation, persecution, And I think we should let them serve us today um, as encouragement to our lives and witness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has caused us to be born to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Christ, who by God's power, right? You who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God. It's as true today as it was on the day that Peter penned it. And God continues to be worthy of our praise. Joining us next, Dr. Bruce Ashford. We are going to complete our conversation about the 10 Words for a Broken Society series. Um, We're also going to pick up on things uh, he has posted on the Christian approach to PTSD and trauma. Such timely words for these days. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Joining us now, Dr. Bruce Ashford. You can find what we are discussing today at BruceAshford.net. We are completing our conversation about the 10 Words for a Broken Society series that Bruce has posted there. Bruce, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Great to be on the show. Good morning. Oh, it's a good morning. It's wonderful to have you. Um, Let's remind people about the conversation about the 10 Words for a Broken Society, and then I'm going to invite you to pick up on number eight. Yeah, so the Ten Words that God spoke, the Ten Commandments, uh, we tend to know them as something important and probably important for our private life. But as a matter of fact, the Bible gives the Ten Commandments to us also as guidance in social and political life. So the Ten Commandments form uh, really good, helpful categories for viewing hundreds and hundreds of social and political issues. And so when we talk about number eight, um, we're talking about theft 
And so um, help us help us bring that into view today. Yeah. So, for example, Eighth Commandment says you shall not steal, Exodus 2015. And typically our imagination is rather narrow and we're like, okay, so I shouldn't take a Snicker bar from the convenience store and I shouldn't, you know, steal money from my neighbor. But um, this this commandment is much broader. It refers to uh, really egregious, egregiously bad sins like kidnapping or slave trading. But it also um, and this was where it really hits home. It applies to manipulation. Um, and a lot of people learn to manipulate when they're growing up as a way of manning, managing interpersonal relationships. And manipulation is particularly egregious because it is a form of heart theft. Um, when we manipulate somebody, we are duping them or fooling them, sort of tricking them into doing something that uh, they're not consciously aware uh, that they're doing. And this is a form of uh, taking from somebody their ability to make a decision, uh, especially if it's someone who's uh, particularly naive that we are forcing them into doing something they might not otherwise do through manipulation. So manipulation is uh, something forbidden by God and something we should take care not to participate in in our, in our personal lives. All right, we're talking again with Dr. Bruce Ashford. We're talking about the 10 Words for a Broken Society series, and it's a, um, it's a fresh look at the Ten Commandments. I encourage you to check it out. The entire series is available at bruceashford.net. Bruce, let's talk about um, this next one, because I think that, uh, you know, like across the range of truth telling, you know, I mean, white lies are OK, right? I mean, you know, fudging on the facts is OK, right? This is no bearing of false witness. Yeah, you know, the, the third commandment to, uh, forbids us from telling a lie about God or attacking his name. And this commandment, the ninth commandment, uh, forbids us from lying about our neighbor or attacking our neighbor's name. And this includes not only outright lies, but uh you know, although it's not wrong to tell a partial truth necessarily, as long as you're not presenting it as the whole truth, it's also a lie if you tell a partial truth and present it as the whole truth. Um, lying has other variations, gossip and slander. You know, so gossip is just passing along juicy information that somebody else uh, would not want or that you don't know that they would want to be shared. And then slander is like gossip, but with a much more malicious attempt. It's an attempt to uh, take down a person's character, to uh, feel better about yourself in the middle of a conflict by making the other person seem like a horrible and evil person. You know, in the political realm, <clears throat> slander is the uh, coinage of the day. This is what politicians do, and it's what citizens do, too. It's what our favorite uh, television political commentators do. They take a person that they disagree with and make a rash judgment or just a facile dismissal of that person as a whole and paint them as evil. And this is not okay. Words matter to God. doesn't matter whether it's in the political realm or not. Um, our, our words matter to God. God created the world by means of his word. He ordered it by means of his word. He speaks to us by means of his word. And he's ultimately trustworthy. And he wants us to also be trustworthy with our words. Uh, as, I was, um, as I was reading your reflection on this particular one, it, it also occurs to me, that I am bearing false witness against the reality of a fellow image bearer when I am in any way um, not treating them in the way like do God himself. Um, and so I'm bearing false witness when I'm treating another human being with anything less than the full dignity of who they are, even if they don't, even if they in this moment are not living as if they know they're an image bearer of the living God. I'm still responsible to treat them as I know they are, and to talk about them as I know they are. And so um, I thought that was helpful 
as well uh, in terms of the conversation about this. Bruce, let's talk about um, the the 10th commandment, because I think um, this is the one, you know, we read all of the rest of them or we live all of the rest of the of the 10 commandments through the lens of this one. Yeah. So, you know, let's define some terms uh, uh, first. It, um, a lot of people confuse envy with covetousness and in, to envy somebody is to dislike them or even hate them because of their good fortune. Okay. That's what envy is. I wish I had what that person has. Covet is, is, is to wish for the possessions of another person. So envy um, focuses on the person covet focuses uh, covetousness focuses on the possessions. The danger with coveting, uh, you know, is that it, of course, it, it undermines the positive command that the Bible gives us over and over again to be content with what we've got, right? So coveting is when you covet, it's like you're making plans in your heart to have what another person has. This is what David did with Bathsheba. He saw her bathing on the roof and liked what he saw and said, I would like to have Uriah's wife. And so when we begin to lay plans, that's especially dangerous, even if they're just hypothetical plans, because often we're going to end up acting on those uh, those plans. Um, now, to, to make it, there are entire social and political movements built on discontentment. And now on the one hand, it is okay to recognize injustices and that things shouldn't be the way they are socially and politically and to build a uh, social or political agenda to reform those things. But in our private life and in our hearts, we need always to uh, to be content with what God's given us, uh, that one day at a time, God is going to give us what we need, not always what we want, that this world is unfair, uh, and it's also unequal. Unequal doesn't is not the same thing as unfair. Unequal just means we have different gifts, and, you know, uh, we don't, you know, we want to be satisfied with our height our body build, uh, the faith that God gave us, you know, our physical appearance. We want to be satisfied with our lot in life, with the brain that he's given us, with the, uh, you know, the, the jobs that we hold. That doesn't mean that we can't um, look for something better in the future, that we can't, you know, embark on a program of uh, self-improvement. But it means that in our disposition, we're not agonizing during the day because we don't have what somebody else has. And contentment is the secret to a peaceful soul. It's one of the mm-hmm. secrets to a peaceful soul, because when we are discontent, discontentment rots the soul. It sours, it, it curdles the milk of human kindness. It sours our disposition, our view of other people, our view of our own life. It's impossible to enjoy the life that God has given us, the good things he's given us when we're discontent. So good and so helpful. We're talking with Dr. Bruce Ashford. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. We're going to actually pivot to some other resources he has posted at bruceashford.net. Is there a Christian approach to PTSD and trauma? We're going to discuss that next on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Bruce Ashford. Um, You can find everything we're discussing today at bruceashford.net. Bruce, I really appreciated um, the piece that you have posted on uh, on the Christian approach to PTSD and trauma. Love for you to just kind of read us in on this. Yes, you know, this piece is is, uh, dear to my heart. Um, I was had experienced some symptoms that I didn't understand over the course of my life, and especially over the course of the past year and a half. And uh, this summer was diagnosed with uh, complex PTSD. 
And um, so we're, we're uh, taking a look at trauma and PTSD. Um, those of you out there in radio land right now, uh, some of you have been diagnosed with PTSD. Some of you haven't, but haven't been diagnosed. Probably all of you know somebody who has been traumatized and uh, interpersonal relationships with a traumatized person and ministry to a traumatized person um, are especially uh, uh, challenging. And the approach we're going to take is going to be different than the approach we take with somebody who hasn't been traumatized. Well, first of all, um, thank you for being so transparent and sharing. Um, I think that your ability to um, talk about this out loud and in public strips away, um, I'm hoping strips away for some other people, the hesitancy they might have to talk about it in their own life. Um, there's a there's a liberating influence in being able to talk with brothers and sisters in Christ about the things that um, have happened to us and the challenges we now face because of the things that have happened to us. Uh, and so let me just say thank you for your willingness to talk about this. Um, and then let me say to everybody who's listening, this is a really helpful resource. Um, and so please go to Bruce's website, bruceashford.net, and avail yourself of this article. Um, as he has pointed out, um, if you yourself have not suffered a trauma, first of all, that's almost hard to believe, um, but we all know people who have. And my guess is you know someone who diagnosed or undiagnosed is suffering the post-traumatic um, stress that is associated with trauma. And so let's um, let's avail ourselves of the resources available to us as Christians. So let me ask that question, Bruce. Does the Christian, is there a, something specific about a Christian approach to PTSD and trauma, something that makes the Christian approach distinctive? Yeah, you know, so I, I think first let's define our terms. And um, so what is trauma? Trauma is any kind of shocking and painful experience that causes harmful physical, psychological, or spiritual effects. And uh, wartime experiences, childhood sexual abuse, domestic battery are the things that come to mind. But it can apply to other circumstances, uh, childhood bullying, uh, verbal violence, uh, catastrophic financial and relational loss. And so that's what trauma is. And then PTSD is a mental and physical health condition that's triggered by it. In PTSD, the left brain becomes separated from the right brain, the left brain being the emotions, the right brain being the ability to reason. And so a person who has PTSD, when their emotions of fear get triggered uh, by a location, a person, a memory, their, their body uh, feels like it often will feel like it's on fire and their mind is racing or they experience brain fog. And there's nothing that they can actually, there's really no amount of prayer or anything you can really do about it to make the symptoms stop. And so mm -hmm. a Christian approach does, doesn't involve just praying and trusting it to God and, and leaving it there. Uh, when we pray, God also wants us to do our part, right? And I mean, sometimes God steps in and does everything himself, but usually he works through other people, through doctors, through therapists, and through our own um, response. <clears throat> so um, since PTSD involves an alteration and an effect on the brain and the body, um, you know, one of the first steps in Christian ministry or ministering to somebody in an interpersonal manner is to get them to uh, connect with a mental health uh, personnel. And uh, therapy for PTSD usually is not primarily talk therapy. Usually it's a brain-based therapy that helps reconnect right brain and left brain. 
Um, there's a therapy called EMDR that I went through, and there's one other uh, therapy that is empirically proven to help. Now, when it comes to the Christian approach or things that Christians should remember, um, first and foremost is uh, after, after recommending they seek uh, medical help is to listen more than to talk. With a traumatized person, um, mainly they need to be heard and comforted and sympathized with rather than immediately sort of pelted with promises that all of their symptoms will go away if they'll just trust God a little bit more, because it's not true. Trusting God a little bit more is not going to, in most cases, get rid of the symptoms. It just mm -hmm. won't do it. And so we want to learn how to listen. And I think a good thing about Bible-believing Christians is we know that there are truths to tell and we're willing to tell them. A negative can be is that we tell them out of time sometimes. And uh, so we, we need to do more listening than telling. Um, third, when we look at what the Bible teaches, we don't need to re reduce pain to the lowest common denominator. You know, when the Bible says, don't be anxious, just do things one day at a time, it's generally dealing with more uh, lower level pain, right? And uh, so we don't want to unintentionally dismiss the severity of the physical pain and physical and mental disorientation that a traumatized person is feeling by acting as if that pain can be approached at the, in the same way as much lower level pains. Because mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a medical and physiological and brain-based component here um, that's not present with other kinds of pain. Um, fourth, when the time is right and when we set the context by listening and sympathizing, uh, we can just sort of gently offer strength and courage. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, I am with you, be not dismayed, I, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll uphold you with my righteous hand. And we can say to the person, listen, I, I can't feel what you're feeling right now. I, I haven't been through what you've gone through. And I hope this isn't, uh, that what I'm about to say isn't viewed as a simplistic or cheap solution, but it's a deep and powerful one. Mm -hmm. That God, the creator of this universe, our father genuinely cares about you and is going to give you strength to get through this. And I'm going to stick with you through this too, mm -hmm. as a sign of God's love for you. Um, another thing we can do is we can point out that the Christian logo is a naked savior on a cross who underwent a severe, horrible trauma on our behalf, purposefully, willingly went through it. And he's the same one who's going to return one day to make all things right. And so this is a little bit of a picture of what a Christian approach would look like. It's so helpful. It's so helpful, Bruce. I have, um, I have taken to, instead of... Um, speaking some of those promises because I have, I trip over myself sometimes when I'm trying to look the person in the eye and say those things. And I have um, taken to asking if at the end of a conversation, um, you know, I can pray for that individual. And then I weave these kinds of scriptures um, into the prayer. Like, you know, God, my friend is suffering in ways that I don't understand, but you do. My friend is afraid of things that only you can, you know, alleviate. Um, please assure them of your presence. Um, please assure them that you are not absent, but that you're very present and available to them right now. Uphold them with your righteous right hand. So I have taken to laying claim to the things I know to be true about God from the scriptures and to do so sort of in an active prayer um, for the person in my life who is suffering, because I totally acknowledge, you know, I, it's, 
it's beyond me to know exactly how and when God is going to alleviate all of that. But I do trust that he will. You know, I think that's a beautiful, uh, powerful way of way of ministering. I, I love that. And uh, well, if I'm, the traumatized person is okay with being touched, you could put a hand on their shoulder. Sometimes they don't want to be touched. And, you know, just praying those truths back to God in front of that person can be very comforting. Well, be assured of my prayers for you. And again, thank you so much for not only this post, but everything else you've got uh, up at bruceashford.net. For those of you who um, haven't visited the website, please do so. There are a couple of posts on taking the serenity prayer seriously that are um, really, really a gift as well. So that's Bruce Ashford. You can find him at bruceashford.net. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. So sometimes we get to visit with people in real life that we talk with uh, here. And yesterday I met a woman um, here in Nashville who has a friend listening right now. So Sherry, if you are uh, walking around right now and your um, your friend is in Nashville for an event, um, hey, good morning, good morning. She has a little um, a little pictorial gift for you of me and her. Um, So I love that we spend this time together and I'm so grateful and thankful for it. I also got to meet Chris Martin in real life. Chris joins us every other Friday, um, helps us bring social media um, headlines into view and sort of live in the context of the digital world. And so he is the author of the Terms of Service book, as well as the Terms of Service blog. And he'll be back next. We're going to talk about how we can protect our privacy on the social Internet. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Chris Martin is way taller than you have ever imagined. Uh, I met him in real life at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention here uh, near my home, and um, and it was great fun. So he uh, works for Moody Press. He's their, um, he's an editor for them, and he's a social media consultant. He's also the author of Terms of Service, both a book and a blog, a website. Termsofservice.social is what you're looking for. Hey, good morning, my friend. Good morning. Good to be back with you on the radio and fun to hang out and chat for about 20, 30 minutes this week. It was fun. Were you thinking that I was shorter than um, you'd ever imagined? Because you're definitely taller than I ever imagined. <laughs> no, no, I don't think you, I, I did not think you were shorter. I uh, yeah, you were far from the first one to say that I was taller than you expected because I met a handful of my moody coworkers this week who I've only ever seen on Zoom. And it's like on you know on Zoom and certainly on radio because you and I are not looking at one another. It's you don't <laughs> yeah. know how tall people are. And so you 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 know right, exactly. So so you figure you figure that people are of average height. But yeah, I'm about six foot four. So I'm I'm taller than average, I guess you could say. But you know, to me it's, it's all I've ever really known, I suppose at least since I hit six foot four. So I 
I don't feel like I'm tall until people remind me that I am. And then I kind of, you know, I kind of forget that I am. (laughs) So um, I say yet in terms of we're not looking at each other, because one of the conversations that you and I have had is that it might be to some advantage for this to move um, from just an audio experience to something that people could engage with visually. Um, Talk about just just from a social media perspective, like, Talk about um, why it helps to engage the mind, the ears, the eyes. Like, does it make it more sticky if people are seeing it in addition to hearing it? Yeah, I think not to get like too wonky here and too strategic, um, but I think the, you know, people like to consume content to put it in a very like clinical way. People like to consume content in all different kinds of ways. And so when it comes to your show and you have, you have me, you have Bruce Ashford, who's a friend of mine. I love that guy. And, and all your other guests who may come on on a regular basis, they, you know, folks may be listening to you in the car right now as they commute to work or get the kids to school or whatever else. But, you know, they may miss the show from time to time or they may not like to listen to the radio in the car because they listen to something else in the car or they just prefer silence or something like that. But they may like to catch our conversation. But, you know, so perhaps they watch YouTubers in the evening uh, you know, after their kids go to bed or, or as they're making dinner, they'll watch a YouTube video or, or maybe there are some people that they're subscribed to. So if you were present on YouTube – then, then you could be among the people that they're watching there or they scroll on social media on Facebook or Instagram and they could use an encouraging quote delivered by Bruce or myself or another one of your guests or, or even you. And they could, they could use a, a share square, you know, a nice little quote mm-hmm. over a nice graphic on their social media, uh, on their social media feed, whatever, whatever platform they prefer to use. So I think you and I were talking a little bit of strategy around the radio show and, and uh, you, you mentioned me as a social media consultant, and it was a little bit of a kind of a micro uh, social media consulting chat that you and I were having. And I think that the more you and I was having the same conversation with some of my re- my friends at Moody Radio, um, the the more that you can make your radio show a multimedia experience, the more likely you are to catch some listeners who may not be able to uh, catch the program on the radio, but they they would come across what you what you're doing on YouTube or on social media or otherwise. So I think the more that you can just kind of uh, make your experience a little bit more, uh, you know, just just cater to people and, and try to meet people where they're at because people like to consume content differently. And the more that we can use our gifts to serve them in the various ways that they prefer to be served, I think the better off everyone is. It's a little uh, contemporary version of Paul's All Things to All People. Yeah. So we, sure. we, will, yeah. we will get working on that. Okay. So you have some excellent material at termsofservice.social on how to per- protect our privacy on social. Um, Want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, this is technically uh, an edited, a lightly edited excerpt from my book, Terms of Service. Um, but one of the most common questions that I get when I, when I'm talking to folks about social media is, uh, around privacy, you know, how do I protect my privacy? And I'm glad people are asking that question. You know, for the longest time, one of my biggest concerns has been that we're just willy nilly using these social media platforms without any concern for our privacy. (laughs) Um, and in fact, this is, and it's odd, like this is one of the biggest pushbacks that I get among Christian audiences. And I don't, I don't understand why Christians are so opposed to this, but I think it's because, 
of the sort of morality angle. When I say privacy matters and that we should care about our personal privacy, especially when engaging on the internet, the most common retort I get, most, like I said, most commonly from believers is, well, I don't care about privacy because I don't really, ha I don't have anything to hide. Like I'm not trying to hide anything. Why do I care if Facebook knows where I live or knows where my kids go to school or whatever? Um, and, and in some respect, like I understand, like I, I don't, I don't think, but I just don't think privacy and having something to hide are, are like the same issue. Um, those same people to what my, my comment, my sort of response to those people is, well, okay, I understand you don't have anything to hide, but like you still close the door when you use the bathroom. Um, so we all care about privacy in some respect. Um, at least I hope folks are closing the door when they use the bathroom. Uh, but, Amen. but so I, I think, I, I think, I think we all do care about privacy and it's not a matter of having something to hide, but knowing that your data is your own and it's not meant to be used and rented and, and harvested by social media companies and, and generally tech companies. Just this week, there was a story of the Weight Watchers kids app that, that parents have kids using was, was using kids data to advertise to them in ways that was in violation of child privacy laws. This stuff happens pretty frequently and it's not just social media apps, but I think here, here are some, just a few brief ways that we can try to protect ourselves because it doesn't require us to get off social media completely. First, I think we can turn off location services. You do not need location services on for your social media apps. You do need location services on for you know, GPS navigation apps, like I use Waze or there's Google Maps. You probably want location services on for those because otherwise I don't really know how effective they would be. But like you don't need to have location services on for Twitter, for Instagram. Um, now, Will this require you to, if you're listening to this, to maybe refrain from using a few features on these platforms that are location oriented? Yes. Like Instagram has a feature where on an Instagram story, you could add the temperature of wherever you are, or you could add the actual location. You know, you're at, you're at Starbucks and you want to put like yesterday, I was doing work at Starbucks in the afternoon. Cause Carmen, you understand this. It's been about 65 degrees the last couple of days and we're getting a couple inches of snow tonight. Um, I was working at Starbucks yesterday afternoon and I posted an Instagram story saying that like, Hey, I'm working at Starbucks this afternoon, but we're getting snow in 36 hours. I could have put the look, like I, I could have given Instagram my location and tagged the Starbucks that I was at. Um, and so, yeah, turning off location services will require us to give up some features, but we should ask ourselves, why am I giving this information to begin with? Is it really worth it? And that's kind of the second point is we should limit the personal information that we share. Like we don't need to be sharing everything that we're sharing about ourselves. Um, there is a story I, I've read a handful of stories over the years that about people, you know, had their homes robbed while they were on vacation because they boasted on Facebook about their 10 day Hawaiian excursion. Uh, and then somebody with whom they were friends, uh, quote unquote friends on Facebook, uh, either took advantage of it themselves or passed along that information to somebody else who, who then went and, and ransacked their house or at least, you know, part of it. And so I think we should just be, be cautious about the information we share. And finally, briefly, um, dig into privacy plat uh, settings on these different platforms. Most social media platforms that you use have the ability to give you more privacy than you have by default. So platforms like Facebook uh, do not make privacy settings strict by default because they, the more strictly you lock down your information, the less information can be gathered about you and the less valuable advertisements are. 
so it's it, like it's in these platforms best interest to gather as much data about us as they can because then they can deliver more targeted and accurate advertisements. Uh, and what they say to us, the users, is you want to give us that data so that the advertisements you receive are interesting to you. To which I say, I don't care how interesting the advertisements are. That's not worth the data that I'm giving to you. I would rather get uh, an advertisement about cat food, despite not having a cat myself, than to get an advertisement um, about kids' diapers because – Facebook knows I have a two, an almost two-year-old. Like, I don't want Facebook to know that I have an almost two-year-old. I'd rather get the advertisements for cat food. So I think we should just dig into the privacy settings of these platforms and uh, and be aware of what they're learning about us so that we can take data, our data, into our own hands. Um, what is going to literally stick with people today, <clears throat> and we are now all going to think about when we engage on social media and we ask ourselves how much we are going to share is that Chris Martin told us to close the bathroom door. That's that's yes. totally 100% what's going to stick with us. All right, we are talking with Chris Martin. He is helping us to um, behave ourselves on social media and also protect ourselves on the social internet. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. One of the things you may not know about Chris is that he also uh, disciples teenagers. And I'm going to ask him about a conversation he had this week with a 17-year-old. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All of us have all kinds of relationships, and we are engaged in discipling others as mature Christians, desiring um, for, you know, those who are younger than us and um, and maybe, you know, growing in their faith in ways that, gosh, it's almost hard to remember being 17. But Chris uh, Martin, with whom we talk about all things digital and social media, um, is also like, right, he's this many layered fellow. He's, you know, he's a good onion. And so one of those layers is that he engages with young people in his congregation. And so, Chris, um, share with us just, uh, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing about this conversation that you had this week um, with a student in your church. Yeah. um, So I've been serving in student ministry basically since I was a student, uh, since like end of my freshman year of college. So, uh, gosh, that's what, uh, 10 over, over 10 years. And so, um, yeah, 12 years or so. And I really, I, I enjoyed it all along and, and still enjoy it today. Um, and every once in a while you come across a student who is, uh, different than the rest and, and maybe, you know, a lot of middle schoolers and high schoolers are, are not thinking about life post middle school and high school. They're just very much in the moment, you know, and, and look, I, I remember those days just trying to get, get through day by day. Um, but every once in a while you come across some special students who, who are mature and, and really, you know, they're thinking about life post high school. They're, they're able to kind of get out of that teenage bubble and zoom out. And, and, um, there's one particular student in our student ministry right now, who's one of the most, just genuinely like intelligent and brilliant students I've ever worked with. And also just one of the like kindest, most compassionate and, and she's great. And so she has, um, a couple of friends who are parts of, of different, um, types of Christian faith than 
than she's grown up in. And they've all been having some conversations about their their different expressions of Christianity and how, how they all follow Jesus a little bit differently. Things around the, the Lord's Supper and baptism and um, and the nature of God's word, like, um, you know, Bible versions, you know, all kinds of things like this. And, and, um, so she's, she's been corresponding with me. She, she's very, she's very good at email. So she'll email me questions and I'll try to respond to them, but then we'll talk about them at youth group. And so, uh, earlier this week at, at youth group, uh, it was like a game night and most of the kids were playing board games and things like that. But she wanted to talk with me about the nature of the Lord's Supper and transubstantiation and um, and that sort of thing. And so we were talking. We we just we talked for a solid hour and fifteen minutes. And she's I told her it's like she because she knows I went to seminary and I teach every every other week at, at youth group and um and I was like you're really uh, you're really pushing you're pushing me here. I I haven't thought about. Uh, you know, I, it's in some ways, and this is maybe a bad thing to say, but like I was a stronger theologian when I was in college and seminary studying these things like, you know, every day for school. I have not wrestled with the nature of the Lord's Supper or, you know, infant baptism versus believer's baptism or whatever. I've not wrestled with a lot of this stuff for the better part of five or seven years just because I've pretty much come to what I think on them and they don't come up. You know, it's like I'm just trying to learn how to better follow Jesus at this point. Um and so, so she's been really pushing me, and I've had to reach back into some of my systematic theology books. And but what's crazy, what's what's interesting, and it doesn't grieve me, it doesn't make me sad. It's just kind of the nature of life today. Is she's been learning a lot from from YouTubers, um, from Christian mm. YouTubers of ver of of different backgrounds on on just like, hey, here's here's a case for uh, the body and blood of Christ being present in communion. Here's a case against that, and and so she's. She's not being discipled by YouTube, but she's learning from like her YouTube is kind of her classroom on a lot of these things. And so it was just it was a really fun conversation. I um, I really, frankly, like look up to her as a student. I, I think she's just brilliant and, and, and I think is a model for a lot of other students. And I'm excited for how the Lord is going to work in her life. And, and I was careful to end so many of our conversations with like, hey, I don't like I don't care where you land on these things because she's not flirting with heresy. She's just she's engaging with different perspectives, not some of which I don't agree with. But but I, I just said, hey, I don't care where you land on these things. I'm just really glad that you're wrestling with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I pointed her to Gavin Ortland, son of Ray Ortland. He's a pastor out in Southern California. He has a tremendous YouTube channel called Truth Unites where he is actually engaging with many of these same questions. So I directed her to him uh, because he's just doing such a tremendous job with this kind of stuff. So just I, I came away from that. I think the tweet you're kind of, that you're referencing because I tweeted about it is I was like, man, the kids are all right. You know, like they're you got, you got all kinds of folks saying, oh, kids these days, they're just looking at their screens. Meanwhile, their parents are the ones looking at their screens more than anything. But I think um, I think I. Every time I, I chat with this student and, and many of the others in our youth group, because we have so many bright students in our youth group, I'm just encouraged by, I guess you could say, the next generation or the current generation. And I'm excited for some of these these teenagers to get out into the quote unquote real world and and uh, start to flex their muscles a little bit. I found the um, the conversation just encouraging. Right. Um, I'm so glad that she is asking the questions that she's asking um, and I think you've provoked a really good um, question for us to be asking, like, you know, what is my kid's classroom in terms of the questions they are exploring? I know they're talking with their friends, right? And so is she. I know they're um, watching YouTubers, and so is she. I don't know mm-hmm. that they're all asking 
a person who who they can really trust at church. But I'm glad she is right. Like all, all right. of those things. So um, I just want to encourage everybody today. The um, the YouTube channel for Gavin Ortland, for those of you looking for it and maybe want to pass it along to um, some of your younger friends. Truth unites. Um, as always, Chris, thank you so very much. Uh, that's Chris Martin. You can find him at termsofservice.social. His book is by the same title, Terms of Service. He serves as an editor for Moody Press, um, and he joins us every other Friday. So, again, thank you so much for your time and what you're doing every day. Of course. Good to hang out with you this week, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Um, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Several people um, very kindly asking about the uh, uh, the outcome of the quiche experiment. Um, let me just say that now, based on my own experimentation, if eggs have frozen and then cracked and then sat for an unknown period of time in the backseat of your husband's truck, um, yeah, you can actually make a beautiful quiche, totally beautiful quiche, worthy of feeding to the dogs. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening at my house. The dogs are eating really, really beautiful quiche that tasted profoundly bad and it just didn't yeah so there you go um but you know who knows maybe the broccolini and the port uh, the porcini mushrooms and the onion jack cheese you know i don't know maybe they will their taste buds will improve we got another hour of mornings with carmen up next thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with carmen laburge from faith radio if you haven't you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through itunes or the google play music app That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.